On February 17, 2021, Millersville University hosted an online screening of Who Am I to Stop It with a panel afterward. This was nearly a year into the pandemic lockdowns and right in the middle of snow and ice storms and power outages in many places. Today's episode is the Q&A conversation between me and my two very cherished panelists, Tony Hickman and Anne Millette Gallant. Um, again, thank you to everyone who helped put this event on. I am struggling with Zoom to see Anne and Tony. <laughs> so I'm taking a moment here kind of gabbing. Um, it's really exciting for me to be able to come to universities and do these kinds of conversations afterward. Uh, it means a lot to me. And um, I have had the chance, there you are. I have had the chance to do conversations with the people in the film and that's really special, but this is like, um, I don't know, to me special beyond words to be able to invite the two um, very esteemed guests who are here today. Um, and I'm gonna let y'all introduce yourselves, however you wanna introduce yourselves and um, you know about your art, your experience with brain injury, um, and I have a series of questions and then we'll all open it up if there's time to questions that are in the chat. So feel free to add questions. And um, Tony or Anne, you wanna fight for who goes first? I'll go first, if that's okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, I am Anne Millette Gallant and I am by training another historian. Um, I'm a congenital amputee, so I've been disabled since birth. I experienced an accident that caused me to have traumatic brain injury in 2007, um, and it affected my physical and my cognitive, it physical and cognitive impairments. And I've um, dealt with a lot of my anxiety and trauma through art, through formal art therapy practices, and also just through making my own art. It helps me to you know, be able to, in art therapy, they talk about sublimating your feelings, putting material form to them, being able to look at something. It also is sort of just for me, uh, if, you know, if I'm having an anxious day or something, I can go paint a cat and it cheers me up. <laughs> you know, it just, it cheers me up and, and that's, that's therapeutic in itself. That's beautiful. And Tony, before you go, though, uh, I forgot we were supposed to describe ourselves. We had audio description in the film, and I wanted to continue with that trend and have us describe ourselves. I do every time, and I forgot because I forget everything. I was even late to this event. So I'll, I'll go after Tony, but Anne, would you mind describing yourself and what's going on in your background? And then I, you introduce yourself. Oh, um, I'm a Caucasian woman. Um, and I'm wearing a bright, uh, what do I call it, um, blue and orange headband. And um, there's some paintings behind me that you can see of cats. Um, and they're very colorful. I also do some self-portrait work. And I, I um, represent my disabled body. And I also represent close-ups of my sights of impairment and kind of aestheticize them. Beautiful, thank you. Tony, 
I'll jump in here to say Tony had trouble connecting. She wasn't muted, but we couldn't hear her. I'll skip ahead a little. Oh, no. Y'all, this was not Tony's plan, but um, her, she's in Texas and her power kept getting turned off, as happens in states like Texas where the power is deregulated and they don't have a backup plan. So they're doing rolling blackouts in a lot of Texas. So that's why she's moved to her phone and um, lost her. Okay, I'm going to maybe describe myself then and buy a little time for Tony to come back. But um, I am a white woman with olive skin and poofy, long, curly brown hair and big glasses. I have a fabulous array of odd pillow, um, cat pillows behind me and a giant kind of velveteen cat castle back there. My cat is asleep next to me. Hopefully he will come join and then I can tell y'all what he looks like. Um, I am throwing back to my days as a native Texan in a pearl snap button down blouse. It's black with very elaborate red embroidered flowers. So that's the description of me. There's Tony, perfect. And she's connecting to audio. Great timing. But it didn't work. Some people jumped in here with tech suggestions. And while the team worked on them for a few minutes, our host, Dr. Newville, broke me from my perseverating on Tony's connection and got me back to the conversation. We'll skip all that. And would you, you wrote a really incredible memoir about your brain injury experience and about art, kind of in the way you were talking about it. Do you want to tell folks about that book? Sure. I started, it started with a response that I wrote to my own assignment in one of my classes. And I posted it there and it was, it became an introduction. So I just sort of started thinking about my experiences in terms of the assignment was lost in discovery. And so I wrote a little essay about it and my students read it and I shared it with some other people and it just kind of, I just sort of kept working on it. And it was interesting for me, it was therapeutic for me to, you know, when you have memory loss, to try to put that back together, to try to put your experiences into words and choose what images I wanted to display. So it was a long process, but it was really, it, it I feel I'm glad I did it. I feel like I benefited from it. Um, and I feel like I have a really unique combination of experiences to share with other people. Um, being a congenital entity, and so I've been surrounded by injury. And so I, that's why I decided to, to put the book out. And um, uh, can you guys hear me? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll come back to the book. Tony. Okay, I'm so yes. sorry. No, okay. no apologies. Yes, I am an, a person getting over frustration with Texas weather, and I am sitting in my vehicle. I am an African-American female with long dreadlocks and a red beret and big gold loop earrings. Mm -hmm. And yes, I will now tell you about myself. I am a um, two-time brain aneurysm survivor. I am also a music artist that has been featured on Golden Platinum albums. Uh, I am honored to be the music, some of, a piece of the music that is in Cheryl Green's uh, documentary, Who Am I to Stop It?, uh, and yeah, I am just really honored to be here. I do lots of music. I create. I'm an artist. I'm a naturopath. I speak. 
I'm just just like they were saying in the documentary. It's like if you don't do something, especially if you have a brain injury of some kind, you just you feel like you have to do something. That I think that's what Brandon said. Brandon or the uh, other young lady. You know, it's just like you have to do something, and that's I feel like I have to be productive. So hey, everybody, and I'm so sorry about my audio issues. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just glad that you're here. And I appreciate you um, pushing so hard to mess with the technology. I think I, I would have given up. I'd be crying in a little puddle. <laughs> I was about to, trust me. Oh. <laughs> and oh. you talked about um, writing the book and doing the art is it, that it can be therapeutic. Do you find that with your music? Yeah, I do. Um I, I find like if I'm in a bad mood or I'm feeling sad, like writing or not even just writing, but making up a melody in my head kind of is, is, uh, is touching. It helps me. Yeah. I think you uh, got, you fell off the call during the part in the film where Danny says, you know, if you're having a bad day, just put on some music. And she yeah. hits the play button on her boombox and your song starts playing. Stop <laughs> it. Really? <laughs> so I'll, I, I got the email from the, you that you had lost power. I'm like, oh, but but your song is playing right now. Oh. So I'll send you the film so you can watch that. I'll Please. see. Yeah. Yes. But in other news... Um, I, another question that I had for y'all is, what did you know about brain injuries before your own? Um, you want to go first, Anne? Um, I didn't know much about them. Um, I had read references and a few of the things I'd read, but I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest. Um, it wasn't something I had ever really having experience with. I hadn't known anyone who had had traumatic brain injury. Um, so it wasn't, yeah, I didn't have any knowledge. Yeah, I, I would have to say uh, that that was my same thing. I didn't even know what a brain aneurysm was until it happened to me. And then I started doing research and yeah, but yeah, I, I was the exact same way. So it was all new. It's still new. I'm still learning stuff about my brain injury. Like even when the lady, and I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but the second lady, the artist, and she was just getting all emotional. And she was saying how the, the noises like drove her. They, they aggravated her. I can see that. Cause I get like that sometimes, like I can't be overwhelmed with too many things or it's just I get really frustrated you know yes yes I do anyone who knows me knows I know that too well and, <laughs> so y'all had to learn on the ground as as you went still learning and I'm I'm curious this is a this is off script off script but I'm wondering Tony um when when you collaborate with other musicians whether it's Crip Hop Nation or anybody are there accommodations that you have started to use since your strokes that you didn't before? No, I think the best thing that I did, um, I'm sorry, my lights just went out in my car. Um, 
the best thing that I did is is I started a um, my own studio. And so that way I can really work on my own. And I have a producer that I'll send it to, to like mix and master and everything. But that's been the best for me because sometimes working with people like, like how I used to work with people, nah, it's a little more difficult. I can't, I feel like I can't even create my, I mean, I can't express myself creatively around a bunch of people. I have to kind of be enclosed yeah like in your car alone though that was not your choice (laughs) and what about you because I mean you were already a professor before your brain injury you've already been writing and publishing do you have to do accommodations to teach and write and all that and paint well um my position now doesn't require me to do research but I You know, I still enjoy doing it. I wrote a book um, about the digital body and contemporary art, it was called. It was my first book. And I analyzed representations of disability in art and digital culture. Um, And then after my brain injury, I started thinking more about how my brain injury, what kind of impairments physically and cognitively, how it impacted me. And also... um, to tell it, oh, I forgot what, what was I talking about? <laughs> oh, I was just asking you. Oh, change. Um, I, I identified a little bit with um, what was her name, the artist, and her 1,000 works. Because I, I have like a stack of paintings in my, in my painting studio in the closet. <laughs> and I sort of, I have them all in my house, but... Um, that sort of is an outlet for me, and it's also um, a way for me to to think about my to use some of my previous schooling and education to sort of thinking about my experiences with traumatic brain injury and how that's I use some of that um, education and trying to explain to other people um, what brain injury was like for me. That, I, I love that last point, too, because like both y'all said, you didn't know about brain injury before you experienced your own. So we do have to keep explaining it to people. And like you were just saying, and what it's like for you, it's so different from everybody. I, uh, for it, It's so different for everybody, their experience. And yet both of y'all related to Chris in the movie and, and to different points that the different people said. I, was I, I, I really was attracted or just I felt really compelled by Danny. I just like really I loved her spirit. And I loved that she, you know, her family was not totally supportive of her. I mean they were, but then her mother telling her that, that what they went through was worse just kind of broke my heart when I saw that. And I just really admired her spirit, her pursuit of her own form of expression. And I thought her poetry and rap music or hip hop music was amazing. And, and not in spite of her traumatic brain injury, but through it. <laughs> yes. Yes. She articulates her experiences yeah. in her own language really impressed me. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. 
Can I just interrupt with a question from the chat? Um, yes. Is that okay? It says a question for both Anne and Tony. What would you want people to know about your injury if they knew nothing about traumatic brain injuries? Oh, she can't see me on the phone. You're muted, Tony. Yes, again, but we all do it. It's okay. Okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> um, I want to say, like, the, the young man in the beginning, Brandon, and the lady, like, they made a great point. Uh, I think it was the, the Brandon, though, that was just like, yeah, you may think I'm crazy or whatever, and then the second lady was just saying like you know people think just because I'm walking around like I'm normal but there's so much that goes on up here and so like how regular or able thinking people can just you know come off with a thought right then and there or it might be accurate and it might not that's not the way with me. Sometimes I might go over the loop with emotions or I might, you know, I just may be over the top and, and so frustrating when people tell you, you need to control that, you know? So I would say that be patient with people who've had brain injuries because you really don't know how much we have to rechannel just to get a thought out. Yeah. I don't know if there's one thing I would say if I had to pick one thing I would want people to know about traumatic brain injury. I guess just the fact that the film shows this, the variability um, of, of what constitutes brain injury, the kind of injuries and the kinds of effects it has on the brain is so individualized. And right. so it's hard to say anything about people with brain injury are um, because we're so diverse. Um, and it, that's kind of related to what I've, I've been writing about with disability. It's hard to say disabled people are because people with disabilities are so diverse. And they come from all kinds of backgrounds and they have all kinds of experiences. And, and you know, seeing Danny, for example, like, my background and hers are very different. I mean, I grew up in an educated environment and I had, I was middle class, I had resources and I'm very grateful for that. But I identified with some of her emotions, some of her talking about, and what um, Tony said, sometimes you, you just, I have meltdowns, I do. You know, I just, I try to keep them private. <laughs> But it happens, you know, you'll get, you'll get overwhelmed. I don't get sensory overload, except, um, well, I get mental sensory overload. I get, I feel like I have just so many things to do. I can't, I can't see my way out of them. I can't see my way out of it. And then I'll just rush, I'll get everything done in a couple hours and I'll sit there and say, well, what should I do now? Hmm. <laughs> what, what, what should I do now? And, right. Um, and I've always been very um, ambitious, and I, I, 
you know, I don't think I had no anxiety before the brain injury, but it is intensified. And sometimes I just have to take a break and separate myself from something and, and just like go back to it when I'm more in the right state of mind. Oh, y'all are just, you're just making my heart sore. And, and the stuff that you say, oh, the cat is coming. I know this is a Zoom thing, right? This is what we do now is we show cat. So I'm showing cat. This is Ruru. Um, he's a long haired um, black and seal tabby. Yes, black cats are tabby. His is black and red as his stripes. Um, well, now I've lost my train of thought, which I should have anticipated. But um, I, I really relate personally to what both of you are saying about your experiences. And Tony, you were talking, the, uh, these are not the words you used, but it was something about sometimes you can't win. If you look too quote unquote normal or too able-bodied, nobody's going to believe that you need extra time or you need that restated. I get it all the time. I tell people I need help and they go, no, you don't. I say, will you write that email again to me, but in shorter sentences? No, but I don't know what your email says. The sentences are too long. Sometimes I have to rewrite people's emails to me so that I can read them because they don't believe me that my reading was affected by brain injury. And on wow. the flip side, um, wait, I lost. What's the flip side of that? <laughs> is that it's what you said, Tony. I just can't put the words back in my head. You know what? You are dealing with brain injury people online. This, you asked the question. I hope through all of this, you have gotten your answer. <laughs> we, we have gotten the answer. We, I also, we just gave you a whole picture of what it really is. I just want to call your attention to the comment that Betsy Newbell made in the chat, um, just because you might want to read it. It might make you make a comment. It might not, but um, you can carry on with your discussion. Oh, you it's a long one. <laughs> it's a long one. It's a long one. It is. You know, I have to say, I mean, I'm, I'm being silly and I really want to read that comment, but chat is really hard for me on Zoom. The font is very small. And I find, um, especially if a paragraph doesn't have a lot of blank lines between it, I will, my first response is to freak out and then I have to chill out and then try to read it sentence by sentence. So um, Don't I read want, it then. <laughs> look, the, the chat downloads after a call is done and I give you my word, Betsy, that I will read it later, but it's, it is a little bit overloaded. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but what is, what is it? It's in, it's the most recent in the chat. Um, oh, okay. I'm going to read it to you. Oh, thank okay. you. Okay. I'll have a narrator. Says, thank you. Says, yes. says, thank you for this film, Cheryl, and all. I'm so moved by universal human experiences of loss, loneliness, craving for better times, bewilderment of how we get the lives that we get. Everyone can identify with this in some way, but in the people's lives we have met in this film, so many extra vulnerabilities, some real competency impairments, often invisible, and so much judgment, stereotype, and even blame. Thank you for this opportunity to connect with these three people in helping us come a little closer to the liabilities of being human. A pretty excellent ending, seeing Danny let her light shine. 
Thank you. And thank you for the team effort of one person writing it and another reading it. I appreciate that so much. And thank you for those words. And I also want to say, I get different responses to the film. Some people say, it's the human condition, and they leave it at that. And I think, yes, but it's not. It's about brain injury. <laughs> right. Um, but it's also not just about brain injury. It's about humans. And so I really appreciate how you summed that up, Betsy. Thank you. Um, I have a question for Tony. It looks like the sun has gone down in Texas and you are sitting in your car in the dark. And it's I am. Thank you. Goodness. Um, this kind of goes back to what you were saying in your last answer that the feeling is in me, but I cannot come up with the words. And now the cat is on the prowl. <laughs> um, just thinking about this idea of oh, you don't look disabled or you don't have these impairments or you have too many impairments and just people not understanding. You, you titled one of your albums Crippled Pretty. And I just love how forthright that is. And I, I just, I, I suppose years ago, I could have just emailed you and asked, but now we're here. And so I'd like to know why you named it that, what that means to you. Yeah, and I wrote that album like, soon after I got out of the hospital with the second brain aneurysm and the first stroke. And so, of course, I still walk with a limp and all of these things. And I was so insecure uh, and felt unattractive to men because I had this different change in my body. But the more that I had to grow and love myself, I also learned that... Uh, a lot of what we think beauty is, is a perception of confused perfection. And so, you know, even on the song, I'm like, this whole world is crippled pretty because you have people who are getting facelifts and implants and all of these things to fit in that concept of what they believe is beauty when the reality is beauty is the illusion. It's, it's actually something that has to come within, from within. And it's not that I don't still go through that challenge of feeling beautiful, feeling attractive because of the concept of what the majority of the world thinks of perfection. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I came up with Cripple Pretty because I am pretty and you may fit me in that category of crippled and I am just me, you know, but our world is crippled pretty. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And do you want to weigh on in on that? Cause you talked before about how you, you paint your disabled body. And we saw some of those paintings in the slideshow at the beginning. Yeah. I felt, you know, I'd have a unique, pretty unique experience to have traumatic brain injury because I was born disabled. And even though, like, I have lost a lot of memory, my body is kind of, like, I didn't, I, I, I had been through therapy before, and I had been scared at before. I had been condescended to before. And, you know, that's not, that's, it used to happen more when I was little because I think people are a little bit more conscious of that now. But um, I was used to people asking me inappropriate questions. And so, you know, I didn't, I was, 
got scales when I didn't have, before my brain reconstruction, I had to wear a really institutional looking helmet because I had a, a chunk. They said, right. there, was a, there was a newspaper article saying that they removed what was the size of a grapefruit from my skull. And I said, what? You know, just looking through and reading back all through the stuff I don't remember is really horrifying in some ways. But, you know, kind of telling it myself and talking about it and making an artwork about it and writing about it makes it, you know, makes me more, makes me feel more in control of it. Makes me feel more that I have, I have the ability to mediate it in certain ways and show it to other people in certain ways that, um, that, uh, that reflect my my feelings about it, I guess. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Tony, do you also, um, have you encountered other people trying to tell your story and then you need to take your power back and tell it yourself? Kind of like Anne was saying, reading about herself in the newspaper. Um, yeah, I've kind of been through that a lot, uh, but that comes with what I do too, you know, and so, uh, when people introduce me, sometimes I don't like the concept of victim, so I will correct them. I'm not a victim, I'm a survivor. And so that is what you always need to say. Um, but, you know, I've had to be corrected sometimes, so I get that ignorance is just not knowing. And so I find that as a, whenever somebody does uh try and describe and it doesn't fit what I think or what I know about myself, then it's my chance to teach. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and you've written books too. So I know that the teaching and you do a lot of speaking, the teaching is super important to you. Do you want to talk about any of your books? Well, my first book I wrote is called Chemical Suicide, Death by Association. And uh, I wrote that one after I had my second brain aneurysm and the doctors told me to stop putting chemicals in my hair. So when I researched why I found out about lotions, deodorant, toothpaste, pretty much everything that we use and how it slowly contributes to disease. And especially African-American women, we had, at that time we were so uh, set on straightening our hair because of the concept of just blending in. And so, you know, it was a message to African-American women as well to just understand, like, look, you don't have to straighten your hair. And the more you don't try and fit in these boxes, the more you can grow to love yourself. Yeah. yeah. And so that's my first one. And then my second one is on men's health. Uh, and it's not just men's health, but it's from a holistic perspective. And it talks about, like, diseases on different issues and what herbs uh help those diseases yeah. yeah the the thing that always gets me when you talk about the book chemical suicide is that that little bit you just said is the perfect illustration of the intersection of racism and ableism you talked about um the, oh, there's a certain way to look perfect and beautiful and if your body gets an impairment you don't fit in that and then the demands right. that we put on african-american women to have straight hair why so it looks exactly. like white people's hair Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really appreciate when you when you describe it.
One question, Cheryl, is to you because uh, Tony and Anne both responded to their experience with traumatic traumatic brain injury. Uh, folks are wondering about your experience and how it affects you. Oh, well, I did not prepare for that. I'm looking at my notes here and that's not on my notes. <laughs> um, because you'll have to speak from your heart. <laughs> exactly. That's the best way to speak. Right. Go ahead. Okay, then I just start talking about my cat. But um, um, <laughs> I, I, I like the question because it's, it is a proud thing for me to say that I come from the community in some ways uh, about that the people, if anybody can figure out what that sentence was supposed to be. I made a film about the brain injury community and I'm in the brain injury community. And that is a point of pride for me because there are films that get made. Um, I don't know if anybody here is a journalist or studied journalism. It's called parachute journalism where somebody just sort of drops in, reports on those people there and leaves. And there's a lot of brain injury documentaries that are very parachuted. Um, I've seen interviews with filmmakers who have said things, and kind of like Tony said, they're not being mean, but ignorant statements like, well, before I made this film, I didn't even know people who'd been in a coma could speak. And it's quoted, and I'm like, maybe, I mean, I know that you thought that, but why did you say that to the reporter? And why did the reporter think that that was a good thing to put in there? And clearly this article is only for people outside the brain injury community. We don't wanna hear that. We don't wanna hear you talk about us that way. Oh, I'm speaking from the heart. Anyway, so um, so I do I do like people to know that um, I'm not totally outside the community uh, that I filmed, even though I have a, a lot of different experiences from the three people in the film. Um, I was going down a different route of professional career, and I had to stop working. I couldn't work, and in that time off, I got re-engaged with the disability arts scene in Portland. I had been one of their one non-disabled dancers for a while. And then I got re-engaged with them and they were the only people who truly accepted me in my weird state, walking with a cane, interrupting people, cussing constantly. I'm sure Tony and Anne can't relate. Um, <laughs> but this group of disabled people, all different disabilities, they just accepted me even the ones who knew me before and had seen how much I changed. And that just, I was like, no, I'm going to stick with the arts. I'm not going down this other field. And so my professional life went that direction. And for me, it became about um, learning about disability culture and disability justice. Yes, disability rights are good, but I find that less interesting than disability culture and disability justice. And Going down that route is how I met people like Ann and Tony. Check. Next question. Okay, so there's another, um, there's a couple of questions in here and I, I'll try to capture them. But one is about your aspirations or um, how you judge things. And I, I take this question to be that you go along and you do your, work or your art or your writing and you think and you judge and you aspire certain ways and then you have a change in your brain that 
changes how you judge and aspire and think? Can you talk about that a little bit? It's, it's really difficult because someone would have to look inside your head to really understand that. But maybe you can give us some insight. I'm moderator, so you two lovely invited guests. Yeah, you can answer first. Um, yeah, can you repeat the question? <laughs> sure, let me, let me shorten it up. Let me shorten it up. Uh, I'll shorten it up. <laughs> uh, you do your art and you do your living in a particular way. And then you have a brain injury and you do your art and you do your living in another way. Can you characterize that experience in, in some way for us? I mean, you just saw it. <laughs> I'll change it again if I have. But I, well, I mean, I can answer, but I would love for Tony and Ann to go before me if you have an answer. Uh, so I would say before, I hope this is answering. Um, but before I had my brain aneurysms and stroke, I was a successful artist and I, I, I was born in New York, raised in New Orleans, was on my own since I was 15 years old. So what I talked about in my music was more about the environment that I grew up in, which was the streets, the hood. I grew up around dope dealers and, and people on dope. And so that's what I rapped about. And that's the stuff that got me signed. However, when I had my uh, second aneurysm and first stroke, it literally changed me from the inside out. I almost transitioned. And so in that process of going back in myself and learning to love myself, my art had to come from a different perspective because I was no longer the same person. Um, and I think if anything changed, it was because I had to change from within. And now as far as the brain injury and the issues that I have in my brain, yeah, the way I create is a little bit different. I paint also, I do it. I'm not as good as Anne. I will never, I don't, I don't think I would be that good, but I paint to get out of my head. I create to get out of my head, out of my overthinking stuff. Because if anything has changed, I overthink because I feel like I need to. I hope that helps. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Yeah, I I definitely overthink things. I mean, I I was I was working on writing about representations of disabled bodies and arts and thinking about um, my artwork, although I don't know. It's hard to remember, like what? Okay, let me rephrase this. Um, after my brain injury, I, I had art therapy and that really helped me. I felt kind of, I had been an artist before and I was an art historian and I thought, okay, well, this is an area in which I have some confidence in myself, that I know something about art and that made it the easier for me to, I don't know, the purpose of art therapy is kind of to access a different part of the brain and to um, 
就，就是可能 put in well, I'm not explaining this at all. I started doing a lot more collage because I realized that my in my memoir how my I think sometimes my memory is like a collage because I have like I have flashbacks of certain things and images from other places and I can't always put things into a context. I'll get like memories of something in my head and I'll have to like think about it. I'll get flashes of something in my head and. Oh, like where did that come from? And, and you know, I'll have to sit for a few days. Um, um, I write more about traumatic brain injury as as a disability. Um, I've kind of incorporated that into some of my work in disability studies, and I also think I have um, done more self portraiture um, since my traumatic brain injury. Um, hmm. As I was working with art therapy and sort of thinking about how my art could be more therapeutic, or just um, could could display some of the things that I argued for when I was writing about other disabled art, artists' work, and how I could use art to express traumatic brain injury, because also traumatic brain injury, a common side effect is aphasia being able to, to have trouble finding the words and using imagery instead was something that I really responded to. And that really, um, I started thinking more about my own work as, as more therapeutic and it could be for myself and for others. Oh. Carol, it's your turn. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I had something I was gonna say though which is that, um, <laughs> this, I mean, hopefully this re relates back to what y'all both were just saying. Ah, now I remember. Um, I wanted to hold up your book during this event and show it to people, mm. but I gave, oh good, you're going to. Um, I, have, I have all my books right here. <laughs> oh good, because I do want you to, I do want you to at least say the I name. I just want to be able to look up stuff if I need to. <laughs> right, right. But I want to tell you, there it is. What, what, I'm like, okay. There we go. Remembering. There it is. Wow. And there's that self-portrait. Thank you, Anne. So it's remembering. Um, I love that. Isn't it? Yeah. And when you bent down, we could see more kitty photo, uh, kitty oh. paintings on the wall. That um, <laughs> orange one looks like her cassant. Um, the reason I bring it up this way is to say that I was going to hold it up, but I gave your book away. I read it several times and I gave, and I want to tell you who I gave it to. This is um, a young adult who wants to go to art therapy school. And I thought, well, mm. read a book about art therapy written by a disabled person. And the second layer of why it was so important to me is that she is a COVID long hauler. So she, quote unquote, recovered from her COVID-19 infection and is having those kinds of symptoms that a lot of people with traumatic brain injuries or strokes complain of, which is foggy mind, disorganized, irritable, meltdowns, fatigue. I'm breaking in here for a minute. The film screening and Q&A happened on February 17th. The reason this recording is coming out more than a month later is that I couldn't get to transcribing it sooner because I was diagnosed with COVID-19 less than two weeks later. And hearing me list out those symptoms is weirding me out now. During the panel, I felt physically healthy 
although my baseline healthy is always slightly unwell and in pain all the time. But less than two weeks later, I was in bed for three weeks. I'm outrageously fortunate to have not needed hospitalization, but I'm stepping in here to second the experience of the young woman I was talking about. Brain injury impairments prepare you for COVID-19 and that you already know what the virus's soul-crushing fatigue and confusion feel like. You know what isolation feels like. You know what it feels like to wonder if there's an end to the current situation, and if it does end, wondering what it will be like then. I'm able to work part-time again, but I'm still sitting here, more than a month later, flipping through my day planner and wondering what shape it will take moving forward. It's surreal. And I think that everything that the two of you put out there that helps people understand acquired brain injury and stroke and traumatic brain injury, that is going to be invaluable moving forward um, as people... God forbid more people develop long haul COVID symptoms or have, I mean, people have had strokes from the COVID-19 infection too. And so they, right. need, they need to hear this. And it's so great that you, you, you're already getting your messages out. And, and it, it's now this whole new group of people who also maybe didn't know anything about disability or brain injury and now have all these symptoms. And so it was especially meaningful for me to mail her in particular, your book, Anne, and that's why I no longer have your book. So. But and I don't remember what the other question, what the original question was. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, we do. We're we're not quite out of time, but we are getting close. And so I want to give each of you an opportunity um, to respond to this very important reflection. And that is, is that many of the people who are with us tonight are aspiring teachers, and they are going to meet children who have disabilities, traumatic brain injuries. And what advice do you have for those teachers? Hmm. Um, I definitely would say, first understand that everybody will never learn the same way. Like for the life of me, I never was good at math. I tried, I had to take remedial courses in college. Like. I was never good at math, but some people are great mathematicians. So when you deal with people with dis disabilities, no matter what it is, I think the first thing to understand, if you feel like it's complicated or they are complicated, don't look at them as a complication. Instead, try and figure out their learning language. What do they love to do? Find that out and then put, present them with the thing that they love to do and learn in that aspect. But, you know, a lot of teachers, because this happened to me as well, but a lot of teachers will get so frustrated with children because they're not learning how they teach. But maybe the teachers sometimes need to learn how to teach a different way. You don't have to always follow the curriculum 100%, just bend it a little bit so everybody can gain and not feel left out. That's my, yeah. Great advice. And you know, Cheryl's going to make you go next because she likes to go last, but we will make her go. Oh, um, I would just say not to make assumptions um, about people, Based on their appearances or um, 
you know, to, I think that people think of traumatic brain injury as like you die or you're permanently in a vegetative state. Um, and people with traumatic brain injury do, I mean, you don't, you never overcome it. Just like I, I never overcame my dis- disability, but you learn to work with it and and how how those impairments can can let you see things from a new perspective um and i don't know i mean i think i just as far as what i i am no expert children at all <laughs> so i don't so what yeah but i would just say just don't don't have don't make assumptions and it is hard. I know that teaching is hard, especially in elementary programs, because it's gotten so standardized. And um, at least public schools have that you know they have to pass tests to to get to the next grade. And not all you know people with traumatic brain injury might have trouble with standardized tests. You know, so we have a lot of ways that we measure education and and knowledge and other way of doing things that doesn't accommodate people who um, have different abilities or different kinds of impairments. And so making education less standardized, I guess, which I realize is a huge undertaking and requires a lot of funding. <laughs> but that would be, you know, what I, I hope for. Beautiful, both of y'all. And I would just add, if you are wanting to learn about brain injury, listen to the music, read the blogs and the books and the articles and listen to the podcasts and consume media made by disabled people. And make sure they're not all white people, all (laughs) upper class people, all people with one type of impairment. Go across the field as broadly as you can and gain as many different perspectives as you can. Um, But prioritize stuff made by the people with the disabilities that are being talked about not the interviews with their parents, not the articles by the filmmakers. Um, and I, Dr. Newville, you may ha- need to do stuff to wrap up, but I wanna make sure that Tony and Anne tell people your websites of where they can find you and buy all your music and buy all your books and buy all your paintings. Go. So websites, Margie, if you're listening and you have websites, put them in the chat, please. If not, we will, Tony just dropped off. I think it had something to do with Texas. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, we will send uh, websites for Anne's work and Tony's work and your work, Cheryl, because people are. I'm back, guys. Sorry. All right, you're back. That's good. But where the heck are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's good, Tony, because there's a personal message here for, for you, which I'll read in a minute. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, anyway, we will send uh, the websites for your book. I did put. While we were talking, uh, Anne, I put your book uh, in the chat um, so that uh, people had that. And there's Tony again. Um, <laughs> you're sideways, but we like you that way. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so just a couple of uh, uh, closing things. One is I, I want to mention that someone noticed that there was some talk either in the film or in the conversation here about normal and uh, they just noticed that and they wanted uh, to have a discussion about, well, how does that play here and what is it? And we don't have time to talk about that, but because there's a whole lot of stuff written about 
how normal got created. And I suspect y'all would give us a, an hour conversation on that. Uh, but they did notice that. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, uh, Tony, somebody uh, named Susan Pilzer, uh, wants to thank you for connecting tonight. And she is in San Antonio. Living through the Texas freeze, and uh, she hopes you're warm enough in your car, and she appreciates listening to what you have to say. So, uh, I just have to jump in, Tony. That's my mother writing. Oh, it's I mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Thanks. That's so sweet. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> wow. Uh, and um, I think that is. Oh, I so appreciate, I so appreciate you folks uh, being here. I, I feel like I want to go out and now have a drink with you, uh, <laughs> but now we're on Zoom. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, but we really appreciate it. And um, the folks at Millersville have access to your film for the next year. And so we will be promoting that and we'll also stick um, email everybody who was here uh, the uh, websites for Tony and Ann and Cheryl. Uh, Tony, you have 30 seconds for a last word, and I will say the same to Cheryl and Ann. Um, well, I will say, uh, first of all, Millersville, everybody on this call, uh, I just want to thank all of you for having me. I, anytime that I have an opportunity to talk about brain injury, disability, or anything that helps, it's, it's so appreciated. So just thank you for having me. And also, if you want to follow me on social media, you can go to the real Tony Hickman, not the fake Tony Hickman, but the real Tony Hickman on all social media. And that's my tag. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah. wrap up is just thank you thank you everybody thank you for your participation I'm completely yeah. blown away yes. 30 seconds what do you got oh thank you for having this event and giving us a chance to all get together and talk to each other and share our experiences and I look forward to hearing feedback about what the, the, the audience felt thought yeah we'll send you the chat they're they're putting things in here if you want you want to express some personal note to anyone here you folks here just quick stick it in the chat because we will send them all the chats cheryl you get the last word oh that also is not in my notes um Everybody check out Rising Phoenix on Netflix. Um, you will hear Tony in the theme music. <laughs> and um, it was Rising, what is it? Phoenix Rising? Rising Phoenix. Rising Phoenix. Rising, Rising Phoenix. Phoenix. It's, a, it's a film about the Paralympics. Yes. And, um, I would encourage folks, if you had questions that, you, that didn't get answered, because again, I, I really almost never look at chat. It's too overloading. Um, my contact information is on there. I'm happy to talk about the film, to bring it to you. Um, and just please follow these two phenomenal women and support their work. I'm so, I just, I'm out of words, y'all. <laughs> and, and Cheryl, I look more, I look forward to seeing what's next from you. <laughs> I do too. I was just going to say, I suspect we haven't seen 
the last of any of no. you haven't seen the last of us so <laughs> right so thank you so much and uh, have a good uh, afternoon evening and for everybody that came thank you for coming and um that concludes our evening see you all later all right Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Tony. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got to go back to the call house. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. Every episode is transcribed. Links guest info and transcripts are all at whoamitostopit.com, my disability arts blog. I'm Cheryl. This, this is, is Pigeonhole. 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 Don't sit where society puts you.